Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's going to be a good year, isn't it? Awesome. Man, those lights are bright up there. Woo! Blinded by the light. can hardly see you. You may take your seats. Oh, the promise of a new year, hey? Oh, that's, that's a bit better. Somewhere in between is probably good. Oh, it's good to honour people, isn't it? I think it says something in the Word of God about honouring people, honouring your leaders, making it easy for them to lead you, and being a willing follower, being teachable. So... Yeah, we honour you, Adrian and Leanne. Adrian and Leanne are fun-loving. See a lot of those photos that went up with them having fun and being silly, but they also have a great deal of integrity in their lives, great deal of humility and honour in their lives as well, honour for God and for others. And it's, you know, um, working with family has its challenges, but what an honour it is to be able to work with family. And you guys are so easy to work with. It's, it's so good to work. When I say work, I mean to work in building his kingdom together. And it's an honour to work with all of you in building his kingdom together because that's what we're here for, isn't it? That's what it's all about, is building his kingdom on the earth together. Yes? Yes. And I loved that Chelsea exalt, exalted us, encouraged us to bring our best worship this morning. Because it's the beginning of a new year and there is no better way to begin a new year than to bring our highest praise to our highest king. Our highest praise to our highest king, to give him our best, to give him our most, to worship him with all our heart, our soul and our strength. Let's make that a declaration over this church this year that we will be a radically worshipping church, that we will bring him our highest praise every time we gather together. Do you agree with that? Come on, lift your hand if you agree with that. We are a spirit-filled church, which means we bring our radical, exuberant, enthusiastic, highest praise to our King. Yeah, and we're going to stay a radical, high-worshipping, high-praising people, are we not? Wherever we are, whether we're here, whether we're at our home on Ranfairly Way, wherever we are, it's God's house and we are his people and we are his church. So we will, we will worship him with all our heart. So the title of my message this morning is Keep Your Walls Up in 2023. Yeah. Keep your walls up, which sounds weird because usually we're talking about letting your walls down. 
because uh, we usually see walls in the negative sense where we're shutting people out or we've got our defences up. But there are actually some walls that we need to maintain in our lives in order to be strong moving forward. So there's some walls that we need to keep up, that we need to maintain, that we need to take care of, and, and they're the walls that I want to talk about this morning. Are you ready for it? All right. So I've been reading... I've been reading a lot of Nehemiah and Ezra over the last two months and it was really cool because I was reading the book of Ezra on the day that Ezra was born. How awesome is that? It's like God was telling me about my little grandson before he even arrived. But I, I just haven't been able to get out of those books and they're two of my most favourite books in, in the Word of God because it's about the people coming back to the ways of God, rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the temple, re-establishing the right ways, the right path ahead and recommitting themselves to the ways of God. And what better time than the beginning of the year to recommit our ways to the ways of God, to rebuild the walls, to to establish the presence of God. The temple of God stands for the presence of God, to re-establish that in our lives if we have allowed it to become diminished in any way over the last year. It's time to re-establish that in our lives. And I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions because I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. I believe in living a life, a spirit-led life, every day, every year, whether it's July or whether it's January. Did you know that most, there's only 8% of people that actually stick to New Year's resolutions. So I'm not talking about making a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about making a commitment to pursue God with all our heart and all our soul and to commit to his path and commit to his ways. So I'm so glad to hear on the first Sunday of 2023. That's fantastic. Say to the person next to you, I'm so glad you're here. You're amazing. Tell them you're amazing. You're doing great. (laughs) You're in the right place at the right time. That's enough from you over there. (laughs) Promise me it wouldn't be a distraction. No. (laughs) He would never promise that. (laughs) (laughs) I just poured water all over myself. These bottles that collapse have very little structural integrity. You can pour them all over yourself very easily. All right. So um, the, the pre-story to Nehemiah and Ezra is found in 2 Kings 24 and 25 and we're just going to zip through the pre-story really quickly because there's a lot of lessons to be learned in why they ended up having to rebuild the wall in the first place. So um, God warned Israel through the prophets that if, if they didn't stay true to him, they would eventually be taken captive, didn't he? He warned them more than once through several prophets, stay close to me, stay devoted to me, otherwise you will end up being taken captive. And the walls around Jerusalem when they were torn down by Babylon was just really the last straw because their spiritual walls, their moral walls, their value walls had already broken down. 
So the physical walls were just like the final um, straw of what had, the deterioration that had already taken place in Israel as a nation. So originally within those walls, they were a people that were set apart for God, weren't they? They were a people that had different values, different principles to the nations outside of the walls, yes? They were people that lived differently, thought differently, worshipped differently, had different values until they didn't. Until they didn't. Until they started to conform to the nations that were around them and to be enticed and seduced by their gods and a lifestyle that maybe looked more free, maybe looked more exciting, maybe more modern, maybe more contemporary than the life that God had asked them to live. So that's why they ended up having their walls torn down and having their temple destroyed. That temple that had already pretty much become devoid of the presence of God because they no longer honoured the presence of God. But if we think about that temple 400 years earlier when Solomon devoted the temple to God, it was filled with so much power, so much glory, so much of the presence of God that the priests could not even stand in that place. It was full of the glory of God. And then generations later, it was devoid of the glory of God because they no longer honoured the presence and the glory of God. That's a journey we don't want to go on, isn't it? I want this house to be full of the presence of God, full of the glory of God. How does that happen? It happens when we, every single one of us, come with hearts fully devoted because that is attractive to the presence and glory of God. And I don't want to settle for any less than that. Is there anyone else that doesn't want to settle for any less than the presence of God uh, among us, at the centre of us, all the time? So if we fast forward around 70 years... We get to Ezra and Nehemiah where they are rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding the temple. They're re-establishing the presence of God at the centre of their life. God is setting the captives free again and saying, go back and do better this, do better this time. Do better. They were going back to re-establish themselves as a holy nation. The thing is when you read Ezra, you see that Zerubbabel... He tried to re-instill worship and he tried to start building the temple again but there hadn't been any repentance and so it all came to a halt and so then Nehemiah and Ezra came and bought repentance and said to the people, you actually need to repent for why you got here in the first place because there's no point in building a beautiful temple and beautiful walls if you're still going to live the same, distracted undevoted life that you were living in Babylon. So the repentance comes first and then the rebuilding follows. And it's the same in our lives. If we've been distracted, if we've been putting other things first in the place of God, 
the repentance comes first and then the rebuilding of the walls comes next. And the repentance is as easy as, God, I'm so sorry. I've been so distracted. I'm so sorry I've been pursuing other things. I've been caught up in other things, in other thoughts. In fact, before I sat down to prepare this message yesterday, that was my prayer. It was, God, I'm so sorry. I've been so distracted these last few weeks. And yes, I've had a lot going on and yes, I've been thrown out of my routine and all that, but no excuses, just God, you need to be first in my life. My, my prayer life needs to come first. My, my time in the Word of God needs to come first. Otherwise, I'm not living wholly devoted to you. And so before I could bring this challenge to you, I had to set my own heart right before God and say, God, I've been distracted for weeks. I've sat down to pray and I've let my thoughts go in all sorts of directions and I've let my phone distract me and I've let my phone calls distract me and it's nobody else's fault but mine. Because we can make all sorts of reasons which are really excuses for why we don't spend time with God and why we don't pray. And if we really want to live this life fully devoted, then we need to spend time with him. There is only one recipe for building a strong relationship. Time. 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 There are no shortcuts. There are no substitutes. If you want to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, time in his presence. Time in prayer. Time in his word. That is what a fully devoted life looks like. That is the recipe. That's it. In a nutshell, there are no shortcuts. There are no substitutes. So we fast forward around from when they rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the wall. We fast forward two and a half thousand years to today, to us. Yes? Us right here, the body, the body of Christ, the church. And this is what the Apostle Peter says to us today. But you like Israel was supposed to be back then, two and a half thousand years ago. And sometimes they got it right and sometimes they got it really wrong. But we also, it says in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 11, are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood because you are a son and daughter of the king. And you have access to the throne room of God, which makes you the priest over your own life. So you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And what for? So that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. 
Has anyone been bought, rescued, saved out of darkness into his wonderful light? Give him some praise right now if that's you. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me from myself, that you saved me from despair, that you saved me from making horrible choices and ending up in a horrible place. And, and you saved me from my brokenness. You saved me. You saved me. Thank you, Jesus. Can we never forget that? Can we never forget that awe of how great is our God? Yes, he saved us. That's us. And then it says, once you were not a people, remember before we were saved, when we didn't know what we were here for, where we were going, what we were doing. We didn't know the hope that God had for us. We didn't know the good plans that he had for us. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. How good. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, you are an alien and a stranger in this world. This culture, I heard one amen. You are an alien and a stranger in this world. This postmodern culture that we live in is so messed up I can't even begin to describe how sad this world is that we live in and getting sadder by the moment and getting more confused by the moment and if ditching God and embracing postmodernism would save us then why are there so many children that are so confused about what gender they are why are there so many people today that will end their lives? Why are so many people depressed and bound by anxiety if we don't need God anymore as a society? Why? You only need half a brain to look at where we're heading to say that this culture is lost and desperate and messed up and they don't even know it. And they still continue to deny God and say, we don't need God. God is a fable. God is a figment of my own imagination. I know what I need for my life, but I am so anxious and depressed and messed up and I don't know my head from my tail. Isn't that so true? And it I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated that people continue to deny God and continue in their brokenness when all they have to do is come to him and say, mercy, God, I need you. I need you. And we pray that they will. We pray that they will, yeah? It's good news because there's still hope for them. As long as there is breath, there is hope. And if there's, you know, if you're praying for someone like that, there's hope for them. They can have an encounter with God tonight while they're sleeping in their bed. They can have an encounter with God tomorrow while they're, whatever they're doing. There's always hope. While there's life, there's hope, yes? 
But that's why we need boundaries in our lives. That's why we need godly boundaries in our lives. I heard this relationship therapist. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but it's a relevant one. I heard this relationship therapist on some show the other day. And she was talking about open monogamy, which is an oxymoron. Total contradiction. There is no such thing as open monogamy. But she was saying people don't want to do marriage by values anymore. They just want to find whatever works for them. Whatever works for them. So if they're comfortable with their partner going and having a little fling over here, a little fling over there, as long as they're open and honest about it, can actually enrich their marriage. I have never heard so much utter... Codswallop, bollocks. Does bollocks mean anything bad? <laughs> I have to be really honest with you. Sometimes I am tempted to swear when I see things like that on television because it is blatant lying to people, giving people life advice that will destroy them and tear them apart. And these people have the audacity to call themselves experts. That's why we need to build our lives and have godly boundaries according to the Word of God. Build our marriages according to the Word of God. Build our families according to the Word of God. Because there are people that will believe that woman and will end up in total misery and destruction. Godly boundaries. We need to build our walls against crazy advice like that, crazy postmodern ideas that just destroy people's lives. Proverbs 25 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self control. So, Self-control, a self-controlled life is a spirit-led life, really, isn't it? A self-controlled life is a spirit-led life, yes? If we don't have boundaries around our lives, we're open to destruction. We're open to whatever influence wants to come in and get in our ear and in our head, yes? We are vulnerable, if we don't have godly walls, godly principles, godly boundaries in our lives. I've got a clock. It's good. <clears throat> Song of Solomon 2.15. Song of Solomon is a metaphor for the relationship between Jesus and the church. It's like a romantic book in the Bible where the lover is wooing the beloved, just like Jesus is wooing us to come closer and just like we should also be pursuing him as the lover of our soul. So it is a poetic book. It's a metaphor. Uh, Song of Songs 2.15, uh, the, the male who is the lover says to the beloved who is the female, so it's like, Jesus talking to us as the church and he says catch for me the little foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards 
our vineyards that are in bloom. So the vineyards, ancient vineyards, would have had stone walls around them or these thorny hedges that kept predators out. So if the little foxes were getting into the vineyard and stealing the grapes, what does that mean? The walls were breaking down. The walls needed repairing to keep the predators out of the vineyard. So if, if Jesus is saying to us as his church, catch the little foxes, repair the walls, keep the predators out, the distractions, the things that want to come and steal the fruit of our lives, the fruit of our relationship with him. Strengthen the walls, build up the hedges, protect our relationship with him so that we can have fruitfulness in our life. It might seem weird that foxes eat grapes, but I know they do because we've got them around our house and I see their little droppings and guess what is often in those droppings? Grapes. Seems weird, but they do. They really like grapes. And apparently the little, the little foxes are the most destructive because if they couldn't reach the grapes, they would just chew the vines off so they fall over so they can get to the grapes. So the little foxes are the worst foxes. <laughs> Got to get those little foxes. Yeah. So protecting our relationship with Jesus, catching the little foxes, protecting the walls. I just want to warn you, there will always be opposition to boundaries. Always be opposition to boundaries. If you have demanding people in your life that expect you to drop everything at a moment's notice because they want you and you put a boundary there and say, sorry, that's my time with the Lord, you will get opposition. You will get you probably will get some kind of reaction from them, but put a boundary there anyway. We also have an enemy that doesn't want us to live lives that are, that are fortified and strong. So we will get opposition from the enemy as well. As soon as we try and put a boundary there around our protect our relationship with God, we will get opposition. So I just want to warn you, that put that boundary there and dig your heels in and hold fast because the opposition will come just like it did in the book of Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the wall and Sam Ballot and whatever his other name was came and started hounding them and saying, you're not going to finish. That is a weak wall. It's just going to fall over and all that. You will get opposition. But just like they had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other, keep your sword Keep your weapons strong and build those walls and fortify your life. Fortify your life. Can I say more than ever in this time, in this day and age, we need fortified lives. We need strength in our lives. And there is only one place that we find it and it's at his feet. You don't find it on Facebook. You don't find it on Instagram. You don't find it on YouTube. You won't find it even just socialising. 
you will find it at his feet. That is where our strength comes from. That is where our strength comes from. Amen? I just want to quickly say that Jesus had really healthy boundaries in his life. Have you ever noticed that when you read the Gospels? Jesus had really healthy boundaries and he taught his disciples to have really healthy boundaries. We just think Jesus, oh, he was just the servant of all. He was just meek and mild and just served people and whoever came, he just gave them everything. But he actually had really good boundaries. Luke 5.15 says, the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often, everyone say often, withdrew from them to a lonely place and prayed. So when the crowd was demanding his attention, just like people will demand your attention, the, so many things demand our attention, don't they? Something will be demanding your attention every day. It doesn't mean you have to give it. Sometimes we need to actually turn our back and walk away and and say, no, I have already a pre-booked appointment to do this, to pray. I have an appointment in my prayer closet. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. My question for you is where is your lonely place? Where is your quiet place? Where is the place that you can go and pray where everyone will leave you alone? Is it your walk-in cupboard? Is it your bathroom? (laughs) Is it your garden? Is it your bedroom where you can shut the door and say, world, leave me alone, I need to pray? I need to spend time with the Father. I need to get my head in the right place. I need to get my heart in the right place. I need to start my day right. And nothing else is going to get in the way of that. Nothing else. Nothing else. Because if we truly put him first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's not just a nice verse that's in the Bible It's an instruction for our life. It is our fortification. It is our foundation. That's what it is. It's not just, oh, that's nice. That would be nice to live like that. That would be nice if I wasn't so busy. I could spend time with God. I could put him first. Do it. It is up to us to put that boundary in place because nobody else is going to do it for you or me. I have to do it for myself and shut the door and draw the blinds and turn my phone off and put it in another room if necessary so that I don't get disturbed because my king needs to come first in my life. So Jesus had strong boundaries and he taught his disciples to have strong boundaries. He said in Matthew 10, 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town and go to somebody that wants what you've got. So he taught them to have strong boundaries. And there's a few other examples, but we're 
running out of time, so I won't give you those. You can find those. Go looking for healthy boundaries in the Gospels. If you have trouble setting healthy boundaries and saying no, I give you permission today to follow the example of Jesus and put boundaries into your life. Yes? To say no to people. You know, um, John and Charles Wesley, these amazing revivalists, yes, you've heard of them? Their mother's name was Susanna. She had 10 children. She homeschooled them. They had a farm which she pretty much looked over after because her husband travelled a lot and ministered a lot. She was a busy woman, right? Ten children. For two hours every day, she would sit in a chair while the children did their schoolwork, while they read a book. She would sit in a chair and pull her apron over her head and pray. Two hours every day, that woman raised two sons that turned the world upside down. I would venture to suggest that it was her time with God every day that produced radical offspring. You may be a busy mum. You may have lots of kids. Your children need to see you pray. Your children need to know that there is someone else more important than them that needs your time. They need to know that Jesus comes first and they come second. Jesus at the centre of it all. You know that awesome song? Jesus at the centre of it all. I'm just going to give you this one demonstration. Props. Before I do that, I just want to say, sometimes those boundaries that we put in place with other people, we need to put them in place with ourselves. If you have time wasters in your life, time wasters, things that you just spend hours on that don't really produce anything good apart from entertain you and you're not spending any time in prayer or any time in the Word of God, put some personal boundaries in place. You need to put boundaries around yourself. Yes? Manage your time. We all have the same amount of time in the day. Manage your time. That's our responsibility. All right. So having boundaries is about... Putting Jesus at the centre. Yes. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus doesn't mind being represented as a bucket because he called himself a door. He called himself a vine. He called himself lots of things. Today we're calling him a bucket for good, for good demonstration reasons. So... If Jesus is at the centre of our life, we have our social life, we have our family life, 
We have our work life. We have our leisure time, our entertainment. Or our study, for all of you going off to uni soon. I was actually going to bring some water and fill this up because, but I thought, this is not our building. I better not pour water on this stage. I won't do that, Cassie, I promise. Um, if we were at home, I would because our carpet's used to getting saturated with water. When we baptise people, we just turn the whole place into a swimming pool, but I didn't want to do that here. So if we have Jesus at the centre, he's our, he's our pure source. He is the only pure source. He is the well of living water, yes? If we have Jesus at the centre of our life and this living water is overflowing, guess what happens? It pours into our social life. It overflows into our family life. He overflows into our work life. He overflows into our leisure time so that we carry His presence with us into our workplace or our place of study or our place of leisure, into our family time. He overflows into all the areas of our life and we carry His beautiful fragrance, His beautiful presence with us wherever we go. But what happens if I put my work at the centre and Jesus becomes extraneous on the outside of my life. This is where I'm pouring all my effort, all my concentration, all my energy, all my time until it starts to overflow. My work starts to affect my relationship with Jesus. It starts to affect my relationship with my family. It starts to affect detract from my leisure time it starts to detract from my social time and so everything gets out of balance it's the same if I put you know something that we see is very very important and noble in the center of our life such as our family we put our family first but then our Jesus is still on the outer He's still not in the centre. And so our, our efforts to meet the needs of our family, placate our family, take care of our family, which is not our responsibility. It is our responsibility, but they belong to Jesus first, yes? So then that overflows into our relationship with Jesus. It overflows into our work. It affects our work, affects our leisure, affects our social time. So that's all out of whack, yes? The only way it works is Jesus at the centre of it all. The only way it's going to work for us in 2023, if you want to have a balanced, strong, fortified, focused powerful, influential, spiritually successful life, the only way it works is Jesus at the centre of it all. Jesus at the centre of it all. The beginning and the end. It will always be all about you, Jesus. Yes? Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to respond. So if, that, if that's the way you want to live this year, stand to your feet now. We're going to make a declaration together. 
moving forward into 2023, this is going to be our life. Jesus at the centre. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just make this declaration together. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are sovereign. You are glorious. You are my King. Your kingdom is what I want to build in my life. Jesus, I place you at the centre. I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and your ways. Be Lord of my life in 2023. And help me to build strong boundaries, healthy walls, and to pursue your presence in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good way to start the year. Yes? Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.